Hello and welcome to episode 32 of Lime Ninja Radio. I'm your host, McKay Rippey. Unfortunately, my daughter, sidekick, and producer Aurora is under the weather, so you're stuck with me and only me this week. Uh, hopefully she'll be back with us very soon. It's just not as much fun doing these podcasts by myself, and I'm sure that uh, you miss her too. This week we're going to do a little bit different format. I'm going to play for you a recording that I made of myself. I had a Chittenango support group uh, about a couple weeks ago, and the subject is how stress uh, influences us, but not only our stress, but the stress of our parents and our grandparents and how that can change us genetically. It's called epigenetics. So sometimes if it feels like you're clawing your way up a mountain fighting Lyme disease, in fact, may be true. It's not just your own stress and your own disease that you're fighting. You may be fighting uh, previous generations of stress and the genetic changes that has happened there. So I think you'll find this very interesting. Hopefully you'll learn something from it and it'll hopefully also give you a sense of hope. The, the genetics can work both ways. They can be damaged by stress, but they can also be corrected. So sometimes the healing that you're doing is not just for yourself, but it's for your parents and maybe your grandparents as well. And it's important because I feel it's our duty to try and pass on to our future generations uh, as little of the damage that as we have com- uh, accumulated over the years and maybe over the generations. So have a listen. I think you're going to find this interesting. I may. So, who either watched growing up or had children growing up with Sesame Street? Oh, yeah. Remember Sesame Street? And at the end, they had Sesame Street brought to you by the letter. So, today's lecture is brought to you by the number three and the letter E. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Was that too much? I'm trying. No, we're trying to keep it simple here. I thought that would be it. And they go, right, and one's forward and one's kind of backward here. Um, these are my note cards and little pictures for you. I'll explain these as we go along here. Now, we have some Rotarians in the room also, right? So, one of the Rotarians, people who belong to Rotary, it's, it's a service organization. Some that are Rotary. And they call it Rotarian, right? Yeah. No, not Roto-Rooter. <laughs> so Rotary does some amazing things all over the world in terms of bringing people to the States for surgery, for heart disease surgery, for cleft lip surgery. They have a clean water project going on now. Is that wrapping up or still going on? It's just an incredible service. Polio big. Polio big. So they're really kind of, they're in every town and kind of underneath the the radar. But they also have something called the three-way test. Am I right? Four. Oh, is it four? Darn. That blows my brought to you by the number three. That's okay. So anyway, so, so, so just briefly, what's the four-way test? What are the four things? Is it the truth? Yeah. Is it fair to all concerned? The built on better friendships or goodwill and better friendships? And the bonus one, because it's really three. Oh, right? what's, what's the fourth one? Uh, it's not, I'm, not, I'm not trying to put you on the spot. So anyway, there's another one. There's another one that's very important. See, I put three in your mind and you just stop. Basically, basically you're supposed to be telling the truth and doing the, you know, things honest and fair way. Integrity. 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 That's the main all gist of it. Yeah. Yeah. So 
There's also an American Indian version of this, and at the end of this, I'll tell it to you, and you'll see how this all fits in with emotions and DNA and Lyme disease and telling the truth. Some other things there. So that's where we're going to... Uh, a few, this is my first time doing this talk, so please hold your questions to the end because if you distract me, I may never finish this talk. I don't know it well enough to come back and then restart again. So please be kind and just hold your questions to the end. Okay. Oh, that's, and the second thing is the, uh, commercial. This is, this is the price of, of uh, listening to me. Is I'm doing a little talk, if you'll pass those around, on, uh, on vitamins at my office in Clinton. Uh, and that's just the information on there. If you want to attend, there's a number at the bottom. If you don't want to attend, it's a pretty postcard. Oh, that's pretty. Yes. I was just talking to someone about multivitamins and whether you should take one because you. Hold your question to the end, please. <laughs> <laughs> really? It wasn't a question, it was a comment. <laughs> this, so, this is an aspirin ad from Europe. It's a picture of a skull, and there's a spider coming down, but it might, well, might as well be a tick, and they're all cowering from it, right? So as people with Lyme disease, we've basically been taught to fear the bugs, fear the bacteria and the associated bacteria and viruses and other things in the blood. And then that's kind of where the normal treatment stops because if you just take a few antibiotics, you're done and you're healed and you can move on. But as we all know, that's just rubbish. So there's more going on there, right? So we also have to worry about how our body deals with things, right? And specifically, oh, we did that already. So specifically, there's, there's a genetic variable. I want to call it a mutation because... Red hair is a genetic mutation, right? So we're going to say people with red hair are of a mutation. No, they're just they're just different, right? They're different, special, and that variant, that polymorphism, is the technical term. Is and this is not text for cussing at somebody. It's the MTHFR gene, and. Every single chronic Lyme person I have talked to has a, one of these gene variants. So it has to do with methylation. So what's methylation? Well, let me read a little bit and help explain that a little bit. And this is from a Dis, uh, Discover Magazine article. And the title is, DNA is not destiny, the new science of... Epigenetics. That's the letter E. Okay. <laughs> That's the word. Epigenetics. So here, here's the story. Back in 2000, Randy Jurdle, a professor of radiology, radiation oncology at Duke University, and his postdoc student Robert Waterland designed a groundbreaking genetic experiment that was simplicity in itself. Nice writing. They start with a pair of fat yellow mice, known to scientists as agouti mice. They're called agouti mice because they carry a particular gene, the agouti gene, so kind of like the MTHFR right, gene. That in addition to making the rodents ravenous and yellow, renders them prone to cancer and diabetes. So scientists use these, uh, these mice a lot to study these, these diseases. So 
Doctors Jurl and Waterland set about to see if they could change unfortunate genetic legacy of these little creatures. Typically, when the agouti mice breed, most of the offspring are identical to the parents, just like you would think, right? So genetics determine, you know, if you come from a tall family, chances are you're going to be tall. But we all know not everybody is tall out of the tall family. There's always the, right, the black swan, right? <laughs> the little or the ugly duckling or whatever it is, right? Ex well, exactly <laughs> something, right? Maybe. Maybe there's more to it than that. That's what, that's what this is all about. So, moving along, remarkably, the researchers of, whoops, doo -doo -doo -doo. the parent mice in Jurdle and Waterland's experiment, however, produced a majority of offspring that looked altogether different. These young mice were slender and mousy brown. Moreover, they did not display their parents' susceptibility to cancer and diabetes and lived to a spry old age, which for a mouse is about 15 months. Yeah, two years, right? <laughs> The effects of the agouti gene had been virtually erased. So what they do? how they do this? So it turns out it was very, very simple. They just fed the mice differently. And guess what gene they were approaching? They were approaching one of these methylation genes, one of the genes that's part of or close to the MTH, MTHFR. I want to translate that in, in my... <laughs> I'm trying not to. It was a little eerie and a little scary to see how something as subtle as a nutritional change in the pregnant mother could have such a dramatic impact on the gene expression of the baby. The result showed how important epigenetic changes could be. Our DNA, human DNA specifically the 25,000 genes identified by the Human Genome Project, is now widely regarded as the instruction book for the human body. But genes themselves need instructions for what to do and where and when to do it. A human liver cell contains the same DNA as a brain cell, yet somehow it knows to code only those proteins needed for the functioning of the liver. Those instructions are found not in the letters of the DNA in itself, but in an array of chemical markers and switches known collectively as the epigenome. These epigenetic switches and markers, in turn, help switch on or off the expression of particular genes. Think of the epigenome as a complex software code capable of inducing the DNA hardware to manufacture an impressive variety of protein cell types and individuals. So that gets really, really interesting, right? So not only are we our DNA, but there's this other factors, and this study showed that it was um, diet that changed things. However, <laughs> as they, this is this is uh, this article was written in 2000. It's almost 10 years ago. I mean, 2006. It's almost 10 years ago. Right? A lot's happened since then. So one of the things that they've discovered now is that this is one of my favorite photos that I have. This is a kids playing on old-fashioned seesaw. They've got bare feet on raw wood, and they're probably breaking about 300 safety codes doing it. But they're having a great time. 
right? They're just playing. Um, so it turns out that what our parents and grandparents do, went through, experienced, including did they have a happy childhood? Did they have a terrifying childhood? Did they have good nutrition, bad nutrition, good parents, bad parents? Did they go through the Holocaust, right? Were they almost drowned? Were they almost, I have a patient who's really suffering and she was almost eaten alive by a dog when she was about four, oh my God. right? She doesn't remember anything about it, but her health now is not the same and her kids' health is not the same. So it turns out that these epigenetic signals can influence our genes as well. So this information literally gets passed on down the line. So we can inherit it. It is your mother's fault. <laughs> no, that's not what I mean. Except for yours. Right. Hi, Mom. It's her mother's fault. <laughs> but, that's because because I hear it a lot in my office, so it's just on top of my head. So it's no offense, okay, well, I'm implanting another seed. Okay, and what's that? Absolutely, yes. It's your ancestors' fault. Totally. Well, there is that part of it, right? So that that part is is brought up. But absolutely, the the point is that the influence of your grandparents, male, female, bring down and influence you. And influence you. They absolutely do. And that's that's the important part. So, the second part of this, I'm not going to read the whole article, is they figured out that emotions can impact. So, it's emotional experience as well. So, it's not just... Did somebody have inadequate nutrition growing up or something like that? It can be, did they go through emotional traumatic time? You know, was it a horrible marriage? Was it whatever? So this can influence what's going on here. Now, there are five hardwired emotions that we can recognize across crosses cultures, it even crosses species. It's like it's a mammalian. These are in the mammal part of the brain. So it doesn't go into reptiles, but dogs, cats, we can recognize these emotions. And here's an example of one. <laughs> so what emotion is that? Anger. Yeah, right? And they're independent, of, they're independent of culture. They're independent of culture. So Chinese medicine, this is kind of a little bit of Chinese medicine here, talks about these emotions too and there, there are five of them and this is this is too small but what you need to know is that's kind of like a chart of the five elements and the five emotions and it's based on South Park characters <laughs> so the South Park characters each of the main characters kind of has an emotional lead you're right? so right oh uh, absolutely oh right gosh. so Cartman is anger anger there you go right <laughs> see I didn't watch South Park but anyway Stan is, what is he? He's kind of happy, right? He's yeah. joyful, right? Yeah, joyful. Um, Butters, kind of sympathetic. Sorrow? Is he sorrow? He's no. not sorrow. No, he's more nurturing and sympathetic. Mm -hmm. So for the one, Kyle, they talk his grief. They talk about him in terms of grief. Yeah. And then Kenny is terrified, right? Yeah. 
So it's, I'm speaking to somebody here. Yes. The point is, there are these five basic emotions. Fear, anger, joy, sympathy, the flip side of it in the medical literature, the, the neuropsychological literature is disgust, actually, and then grief. So these five emotions. Now, what's an emotion? So years and years of working with people and their emotions, it's a simple thing. I, I view it as a very simple thing. It's a reflex. It's a reflex. It's a reaction to something, right? And as human beings, normally it's an external ex response. Something happens out there, and we have an emotional response to it. It's like the, when the doctor hits your knee with the hammer, testing your reflexes, right? As human beings, we can also be influenced by our own thoughts. So we can have an emotional reaction to our own thoughts. Other mammals can't do that. You don't see a dog just sitting there and for a random reason just get angry. Don't, you know, unless the dog's got a brain tumor or something. There's something functionally wrong with it. They, if they start growling, it's because they hear something. Right. right. Or somebody's at the door and they say, oh, there's somebody just came to the door. They don't get upset of their own thoughts. Maybe they don't have thoughts, but we, we're not going to discuss that here. But. Anyway, so the point... The point of that is that we have these emotional responses to it. And then you get into the Chinese medicine, the philosophy, and even religious types of things. How do you, how do you deal with that? So if emotions are response, the kind of, there are three, here we go with the number three, basic ways to deal with it. One is that you harness it. So, so you have, oh, I have to back up, I forgot, negative, positive emotions. When I first went to school, they were the good emotions. What are the good emotions? Happiness, sympathy, right? What are the bad emotions? Anger, fear, fear rage. grief. Yeah, exactly. Stuff, right? So the point up to that, my understanding was, you want to get rid of the bad ones and hold on to the good ones. But if emotions are just a reflex, maybe you can get sick if you prevent the reflex from just running its course. I had a lady come in with back pain years ago. And her point of view was she had just had a, her first grandson. So she picks up the grandson, she's carrying it around. She goes back in, oh, my back is killing me because of carrying my, what, how long, eight pound, nine pound grandson around, right? So I took her pulses and it was very clear to me that she was actually had back pain because she was overjoyed. She had too much joy. So we calmed down her joy a little bit. You can understand this too, right? And her back pain vanished instantly. It was just one of those very clear and simple simple treatments. It's just, it's a crazy sort of thing. So anyway, backing up to, to, to emotion. So we want to harness them, right? Michael Jordan is like the best example of harnessing emotion. He gets cut from his uh, high school basketball team, and it's like, I'll show you. And he becomes the best basketball player ever, arguably, right? He was motivated, so he harnessed the negative emotions, right? right? So that's one way of dealing with it. Okay, so that's this positive, negative. Another way of dealing with it that's kind of the, the enlightened way, the, the, the Chinese Taoist way, is, uh, is just to let the emotions be and just don't grab onto them as they pass by. Just kind of observe them. Oh, that's nice. I'm happy. Oh, that's nice. I'm sad. Oh, that's nice. I'm feeling sympathy rather than trying to nurture certain ones and avoid the other ones. It takes a lot less energy. It takes a lot more practice. Lao Tzu, one of the Taoist philosophers, says, everybody runs around life excited like they're at a parade. I alone am like a child, expressionless, 
or, uh, or like somebody who doesn't have any mental function at all, like an idiot, he says. He says, I don't respond to anything. Now he's not sick. Everybody else has a response to things. The third way, and really the one we know is the least healthy way, is what I want to bring into this, is we grab onto them and hold on tight. So we get diagnosed with Lyme disease, and we get pissed off, and we stay pissed off. And it's 15 years later, and we're still pissed off because the doctor did this to us, and the system's doing that to us, and the doing that to us. So that not only may be turning on certain genes within you, right? Now, on one hand, you harvest, you harness this, it can propel you to do great things. But on the other hand, it's going to take a personal toll on you. And perhaps, and according to the epigeneticists, right, most likely your children and their children as well. So there's, there's, a, there's a cost for that. This is the last two I'm going to hold, hold up together. kind of like how life used to be, and then this is an infrared photo of Manhattan. You know, and so it's just... I think it's cool. It, it is. They're, they're both, they both make interesting points. So... It's a little more peaceful. Yeah. We don't, we don't live in this world anymore. No, that's Right? We kind of... That's something we want to hang on to. Well, we're pretty close out here, but even this is intruded in up here, right? We're closer to this than this, but, you know, the, the scale's tilting. And, and, it's, and it's more to this. And who knows what this type of stress is doing to us, right? So it's, not, it's like not only as somebody with Lyme disease do you have to be responsible for the bacteria that's creeping around in you, but you have to re be responsible for yourself and how your body detoxes from all your experiences, from your emotions. And with this epigenetics, maybe from your parents' and grandparents' emotions and experiences too. So you may have, the, you know, people, I've, I've heard that, well, you know, why has this happened to me? I've done everything right. Well, maybe, right? Maybe it's absolutely correct. And may, but maybe you're carrying on something from your parents or from your grandparents that you, unfortunately, have been bequeathed. This is your part of your inheritance. And so you have to be responsible for that. So it's what I want to do, kind of one of the images I had in my mind driving up here was when... John Denver came up out of Jacques Cousteau's dive thing and he takes off his mask and he goes, fly out, right? He's just, his mind was blown. I want to kind of blow your mind a little bit today and open up to just the influences because it's not just about getting rid of the bug, right. right? And this is the MTHFR is just one of the things that you need to know about as it functioning in your body. So this, yeah, of course, of course you do. If you didn't, you wouldn't be sick. But it turns out that even this is, so one of the things that happens is Lyme disease brings this to the fore and makes your symptoms much worse. But if you don't have Lyme disease, the people with this genetic variant are more depressed. They're more suicidal. They tend to be more violent. Just heard a lecture from a, a, a clinical uh, psychologist at Amherst, and he does a lot with nutrition. And so, what this really boils, what this boils down to, is the simple fact. So, if we can change it with mice and their outcomes, whether the babies are fat or not, th this is just what type of folic acid your body needs 
This is just one tiny little piece. So folic acid is, is a synthetic form of folate, a B vitamin. It's a synthetic form that's easily manufactured. It's cheap. So it's in all the vitamins because it's much cheaper, right? But people with this genetic variation cannot use it efficiently. They can use some of it, but they don't get enough of it. Exactly. So the, the other form, which is already processed, so to speak, is called folate. So it's not folic acid, it's folate. And the body, <laughs> that's all right. So, and that's one small thing. So this is one gene out of 25,000 that may or may not have been turned on by your experiences, the Lyme disease, or your parents, or their parents. It gets really complicated, right? It gets really, really complicated. So that's, I'm an advocate. You find out as much as you can about this sort of thing. So you can do the 23andMe genetic testing. There are other genetic tests out there which will begin to tell you what's going on. But then you just need to also, if you can't get your hands on that and all that sort of stuff, the basics. You know, you need to sleep. You need to forgive. We're talking about emotions, right? You need to let go. And all the little girls are singing, let it go. <laughs> right? My little girls aren't. They're 25 anyway. But they're still singing that song. <coughs> so that's a Disney song. It's on, Frozen. Uh, on Frozen. Frozen, yeah. Right? But, and, that's, and that's good advice. That's what we, that's what we need to do. One of, the, one, of the, one of the small things we need to do. So that's how, so the letter E, epigenetics, the three things, kind of our genetic inheritance, whether what happens so it's during our life, being bitten by a tick, and then how we deal all, with all these things. Now I promised to talk about the American Indians and their three-way test. So this is their three-way test. And one, the number one is you in the middle, because of course you're the one making the decision. And the two on one side, the question they ask is, will this honor my parents and my grandparents? Yeah. So this is one of the ways they would talk about making a tough decision. Will it honor my parents and my grandparents? And then on the flip side of that, on the other side of that, how will it affect my children and my grandchildren? Seven generations. Seven generations, right. That's uh, five generations here. I see two. So that's, that's that. What you do in terms of getting your health back today will influence down the line and help. If we pass on a little less craziness than we inherited, I come from a crazy family. Yeah, I do. Oh, yeah. Yeah. World class. Nuts. <laughs> I promise you. Well, that's a story for another day. Um, yeah, and I, mar I married a normal family, so it's, it's interesting to see the difference. They look more crazy now. When I was growing up, it was just like they were interesting. Now, <laughs> now you know that they're crazy. Um, so I kind of joked, and I knew this as a, as a young father. Is, uh, mom, well, my job, if I just pass on a little bit of, less of the insanity, I will have done a good job setting a very low bar. But that's... You know, that's kind of what the epigenetic thing is all about. It's like, can we make it, our children, a little bit better off than we are? You know, teach them a little bit better how to eat, a little bit better how to deal with this. So back to Lyme disease and holding on to things and just letting the emotions come up. Because guess what? You're pounded, 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 pounded by outside influences and your own thoughts and 
upsets about things. And the more we can practice letting those things go, the better off we are. And that includes the highs. That includes the joy. If you try to hang on to the joy, it's going to dissipate at some point. The joy doesn't last. People who base their marriages on the first few months of joy, right, infatuation, and then it disappears and they go, oh, my God, it's, how do we get this back? Well, <laughs> I've been married, right? I've been married no many years now, 26 years now, and I'm not sure it's ever coming back, right? But we have different moments, right? We have different moments. It just changes. It matures, it's whatever it does. But does that infatuation stage, you know, where you're just walking on cloud nine and they're perfect? God, you're so perfect. I never have that thought anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but I have the thought, man, I, 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 I love in a totally different way. So you, the whole discussion about the bad emotions over here and the good emotions can be as problematic as just holding on to any type of emotion or, or holding on to the, the, the anger or the fear. You know, those are kind of the most most annoying things or the most, not the most annoying, what am I think? The most prevalent. So we talk about, you know, don't be fearful, don't be angry, don't hold on to those things. You know, you've got to let go of the grief, go through the stages of the grief so you can move on. It's kind of out of the culture, we know about that a little bit, right? We, we do mm -hmm. some things about that. It's... But, you know, we, we want the happy times to stay. We want the sympathy to stay. And what the, the, the message from the acupuncture is, guess what? That, that can be just as problematic. So emotion is a reflex. It needs to happen like a thunderstorm. Here's what I tell my patient. It's a thunderstorm. Emotion is just a thunderstorm. It won't do damage if it just blows through. You know, a little bit here or there, you have to clean up the branches off the lawn. The problem is when the, you invite the thunderstorm to stay, right? You grab hold of it and stay, and then it starts wearing down on you. And then the shingles start coming off the roof, and it starts leaking, and then the damage really starts happening. Maybe not this week, maybe not next week, but over years it will. And we all know, we all have people like that in our families, probably, who've been nurturing a grudge against something or somebody, or just totally fearful and just won't go out and, you know, let their light shine because they're terrified of something. Or, or whatever it might be. So let's think about all my points covered. So that's that. Now time for questions or comments. I have questions. <laughs> Trying to relate back to the mice. Yes. Where you, uh, back to the mother mouse. Yep. And I, I, I missing something. There's just something there. Yes, that part I didn't read. I skipped over that. And now that meant that you're tying that in with our gene, that, that MTHFR? Yes. So, the, it, the, hang on. Starting just before conception, Jurdle and Waterland, those are the two doctors, the, the scientists, fed a test group of mother mice a diet rich in methyl donors. Okay. Okay. So essentially a diet rich in folates and other vitamins that donate this methylation. That's part of this. The M is methylation in the beginning of that gene. I don't know what the rest of the letters mean. Sorry, I should have looked that up. So by changing the diet, instead of like with 
folic acid or, or a diet that doesn't have these don these methyl donors, this one chemical component of your diet, that that simple change, and that's the miracle of this experiment. That simple change blew the changed the genetics, right? So you have these two fat mice. If you normally breed them, they have fat little mice children. You give them a different diet. Most of the children now are brown little skinny mice, right? Right, it's like far out, yeah. you know. Okay. Really? Um, yeah, blew it blew the genetic world on its head, on its butt. Okay. Thank you. Yep. So the mothers pass along the Gaudi gene to their children intact, so they still had the defect. They still had this gene, but it wasn't turned on. <coughs> So maybe, I thought I heard you saying that there are some people who have this gene that do not have chronic Lyme disease. They're angry. Yeah, so I don't know anybody who's done studies with, with this. So what I do know is when I'm doing my radio interviews, everyone who's been tested, who's tested themselves, who's had chronic Lyme disease, has this mutation. So that's the first part of this. Right, but the, I'm telling you the ones I've talked to. Well, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm not saying everybody does. Thank you. I'm not saying that. Everyone I've talked to has this, right? Doesn't mean. Now, the the question is, with some people who haven't had or chronic Lyme disease or had Lyme disease and got treated, do they still have this genetic polymorphism? Do they have the genetic difference here? And just for them, it's not turned on because. They've had better nutrition or different nutrition or oh, yes. or haven't had okay. stress in their life or maybe parents' stress. So that that becomes an interesting thing. The trigger. Yeah. So that's yeah. what they're that's what saying. The epigenetics are saying genes need to be triggered. That's a great way of saying it. Absolutely. So it's not you're not you you are not your genes. Your DNA is not your that's the title of the article. That your DNA is not your destiny. No, you can not. turn you're right. So you can turn it around, perhaps. Perhaps in this generation, and definitely this this study is saying by the next generation. Yeah. I'm I'm adopted, but I still feel that um, I've studied Hawaiian mysticism mm -hmm. and it doesn't it's what your idea of family is that affects you and will affect you and your children and for me it's emotional it's for me it's environmental um, it has nothing to do with blood at all it has everything to do with um, my surroundings mm -hmm. and I already have difficult time processing the day and then think about feelings forget it yeah you know it's crazy but um, doesn't doesn't there a correlation between glutathione and that Mm -hmm. I don't know. Oh, okay. Because I, I was taking glutathione because that gene would not let me process it in the liver. Process? The glutathione. Oh, okay. To get from stage one to stage two. That gene that I'm... Yeah. And the oh, HFR. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm not a genetic expert, so I don't it's know everything that that particular variant does. I know there are two variants within it, right? So there's, you have the... 
the normal state, and forgive me, I don't have better language to use this. There's the normal state, the non-mutated state, right. and then there's a half a mutation, and then there's a full mutation. And right. it matters whether you have the half or the full. It changes yeah. the amount, like, how vulnerable you are. So with the full mutation, it all it takes is a small trigger to set things off. With the half mutation, it takes a stronger trigger to set things off. Is that like rage? Is that, does that have a long rage? Well, that, that's when you get into... See, so we, we normally think a kind of popular culture is that your mind controls our body. Now, there's really good research out there saying that it's a two-way street. So the physical aspect, your condition of your brain, influences it, right? And one of the, there's a wonderful book, if you're interested in this, it's called Descartes' Error by Antonio Damasio. He's a psychologist and uh, he has a PhD in psychology and neurology. He's, he's brilliant. Mm -hmm. he, and he, there's this famous French uh, study where this, this man got an industrial accident, had a rod go through his head, and it took out the emotional part of his yeah. brain. So he had zero emotions, right? Mm -hmm. So he recovered from the injury. You know, they patched his skull back up. He wore a, you know, a special helmet kind of thing. And there was, he was ready to go home. It's like, you know, what's he totally mind function, could understand things, remember things. He was totally functioning, except he didn't get excited or upset about stuff. So it's like, oh, this guy's super mellow to boot, right? They send him home, right? With the rod still in his No, head. no, 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 the no, rod's no, out. Didn't it separate the I don't know the details of the injury. Yeah, ahead, it took out his emotion. He goes home, right? He can't function in society. He can't tell whether everybody's pulling his leg, mm -hmm. joking with them, trying to... Uh, steal his money, so he would just give his people to ask for money, and they just give it to him, because he didn't have the emotional information to do it, right? So here's a physical injury, right, that's affecting his this particular thing. Now, granted, that's a massive injury, but this is one of Damasio's argument that no information gets into our brain that doesn't come through our body first. We have five senses. That's how all the information gets in. So depending on the quality of the five senses, and what else is going on there? So I think the Lyme rage is, is a physical response. I don't think it's somebody who's particular can't deal with anger. I think their brain's function is is off because of different or hormone function. You know, it's and it's just one of the hardwired one of the hardwired emotions. So it gets triggered. That particular one gets triggered by whatever's going on with the Lyme or the associated diseases. Yeah. You know, so just it's anger, anger, anger. For other people it might be fear, you know. Anxiety. Or anxiety, right, yeah. right. And that's kind of the flip side of joy is like you're totally anxious all the time. It, you can have anxiety and not be a fear-based anxiety. It can just be the jitters, you know. I remember I would just start crying. Oof. And I had no reason. There we go. Just like that. Right. Remember? My mother. Was there, so it was there wasn't like I was, uh, it was like I felt sad or anything. It wasn't like I just cried, cried, cried. And, yeah. and then, of course, you felt awful because you Cry, you know, you're pooped out from it. <laughs> and I have a headache, and, <clears throat> and someone would say, "Well, just stop." They couldn't. Yeah, yeah. It's not an emotional thing. No. It's a, it's a, it's a physical symptom. It's like a swollen knee. Yeah, it's like a swollen knee. Except it looks like we're used to looking at those things as if they were a mental or an emotional issue. That's not. It's purely, purely physical. Now it can be, you know, we can have tears because we're upset about something, but it doesn't have to be. It's a two-way street. The brain's influenced by the body, totally. So would you say that um, if you have that, 
gene. Um, then if the lime were to trigger it and turn it on, does it always stay well, on? Is there no way to... Good boy, that's an interesting like question, too. type of... Yeah, I don't think anybody knows that, that question either. So the question essentially is if you have this, this genetic code and it's not turned on, if Lyme can turn it on or not, hey, I don't know. I, since there's no, since this folate, you might want to try this too, since the folate is, is not a harmful substance at, substance at all, it's just a different form of this B vitamin, if you have Lyme disease and it hasn't gone away, I would assume, you know, and I'd encourage my patients to assume that they need to have the folate instead of the folic acid. You know, it's a, it's a cheap thing to, mm -hmm. to attempt, and it does affect your mental functioning. It does affect your uh, detox. What, what we kind of talk about in the Lyme community, I hear so much, is the detox pathways. So can you get the poisons from the Lyme? bacteria and the, the battle that your body's doing with the Lyme disease out of your system. So that's one of the part of it. But it turns out there's this whole mental function part too. Um, so it'd be interesting to look up that in memory. I haven't really gone deep into that, but then maybe there's that's part of the part of the issue. I think um folate oh sorry. Um, I think folate is what they have moms take before they even think of getting pregnant to prevent neural tube deaths. Right, they give the folic acid, that's part of it as well, right, the folic acid mm -hmm. version of it. So if you're a mother with a mutation, and that's probably why the, the numbers are so high for, for pregnant women, they, they are processing some of it, but not all of it. So it would be better off if they gave everybody folate rather than the folic acid, mm -hmm. but that's... We're, we're getting there. This is this is brand new science. It's such brand new science. So again, you said that the folate is good to take, uh, not necessarily as a preventative, or, or is it preventative rather than after the fact that it's done, or, or, or either one? Or, or it's just good for you all to get it. <laughs> right. So the body needs folate. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's why in most multivitamins there is folic acid. Right. And the question is only this mutation is how efficient are you from turning the folic acid into a folate? Mm -hmm. And the people with this polymorphism, the MTHFR, mm -hmm. aren't very good at it. That's just one thing their bodies are not good at doing. They're not processing it. Yeah. Not very well at all. Like the liver, the liver has to do lots of different things. There's lots of chemical, biochemical individuality from person to person. Even twins are, can be remarkably <coughs> different. So knowing your own particular needs. And that's, you go back to any traditional, any tradition, any health tradition, whether it's you know, Western herbalism or Chinese herbalism or Ayurvedic herbalism, they all have this idea that you, know, you, you need something special and you need to pay attention to it. You, know, you need to find out what, you, what your body particularly needs. There's just no, it's not until you know, this past 50 years that it's like everybody needs this one thing, and this one thing is going to do it for everybody. And it's starting to fade away quickly, too. So if they found your body needs folate, but your liver won't process it, then what do you do? Well, it's, it's the folic acid part. It can process the folate. But if, say, if you have an absorption issue, maybe your gut's determined, then you need to know that, too. So then you need to have IV type thing. You need to get it another way, maybe uh, uh, subcutaneously through the skin, something like that. So, but those are important. 
Yeah, I mean that's a, that's a that's not that's a whole other thing is whether you're absorbing what you're taking in. Right. If your digestion, as we age, our uh, acid levels are reduced, so we don't break down food nearly as well as we did when we're twenty. So you're not getting the nutrition out of the food. You can eat the same food. Hey, you know, what's going on? And well, we've also been conditioned to take an antacid. Well, that's the other problem that happens. Wrongly so, probably, yeah. by our doctors that say, well, just take a top. Right, if you've got heart, heartburn, right. So if, if you've been on antacids or uh, the, the, the acid blocker, right, then you're not getting as much. So that's... that's well, There's so many different layers to this. But with the people that have had um, long-term antibiotic use for their Lyme, it may have affected of course it's their affected stomach them. or their yeah. intestines where yeah. intestines yeah. and everything else absorbs everything else. Mm -hmm. Of course. There's no, there's no perfect intervention. There's nothing that does it all. And there's always, whenever you intervene somewhere, you're always going to cause a problem somewhere else, always, no matter what it is. So you just have to manage that. You just have to respond. So, you know, just taking the probiotics, taking a break from the antibiotics from time to time, mm -hmm. rotating the antibiotics, mm -hmm. things like that. So it's, it's, it's not easy. It's not easy. And so this, the bad news of this conversation is not only you're dealing with your own individual things, is you may be dealing with, with problems that have been passed on to you. That have been passed on to you. But the good news is that if it can be turned on, it can be turned back off again. So I have a question about, yeah. you were talking about um, basically letting emotions pass by and not holding on to them. Mm -hmm. Do you have suggestions for like... Meditation is a great tool to begin to do that. One of my teachers talks about a 30-second or a one-minute meditation to start with. Um, obviously, have you meditated before? Yeah. So the longer the better. So that quieting of the mind is a practice of just letting things pass through, right? And just being the observer. As human beings, we have this unique part of us, part of our brain, part of our being, however you want to talk about it, where we can, you know, when you start, we have a conversation with yourself, right? Those moments where you're talking to yourself, who are you talking to, right? But you're talking to yourself. So there's, there's a function of that that can be an observer for what else is going on. And I have, I have a patient who's, who went through this horrible chronic pain stuff, and she talks about this. She talks about, I put the pain somewhere. And what she means is she separated herself from her pain, and she was able to function. And people wonder how she was able to do that. She said, I could do it once a day. So after that, I didn't have enough energy to do it a second time. But Victor, Victor Frankl's, oh, what's his book? Somebody help me. He, he was in uh, one of the concentration camps. And he finally got to the point, he said, you know, the, the, the Germans could take, the Nazis could take everything away from me, but they couldn't take away my soul. They couldn't take away, that was my essence. Do you remember the, the name of the book? No. Anyway, okay. But so that, engendering that function, and really helping to define, okay, I'm not this happiness going by. I'm not this sadness going by. I'm not my terror of picking up the phone and calling a stranger. That's one of mine that I think I am, right? I just don't like the phone. Never have. I haven't gotten over it yet. When the phone, the time to make a phone call, it's like I lose my mind. I'm nuts. 
Oh, I just went to bed the other day. <laughs> <laughs> it was horrifying. The whole right? evening before, I, right? it, it, anxiety, I didn't sleep yeah. well. And the next morning, I, it was awful. <laughs> it was real. It was awful. All yeah. the way here, for my daughters, it's, it yeah, for my daughters, it's spiders. She loses her mind. <laughs> little tiny thing crawls across the kitchen oh, table, right? Snakes, right, right, but the, that. So those those are situations where we have not separated our our being from our reaction. So med, meditation, and if if you haven't, if you don't have the discipline to do fifteen minutes, thirty seconds, starting very small, just focus on your breath, quiet your mind down, thirty seconds, start a little timer on your iPhone, or whatever, and then work up to a minute. And this you can do anywhere, you can do anywhere, and it. Be, begins to teach you that you're not your thoughts. You're so not your emotions. Desensitizing is, I think, similar to meditation, except it's, it's physical. Oh, yeah, yeah, we're talking about meditation. Yes, how do you begin to separate out and just let the emotions and thoughts go through? Or just be, you know, yeah, you just let them be. Sometimes at church we say, you know, Jesus, take the wheel. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. That's the same, right. That's the Christian version of this, the same idea. It's the same idea. Every culture has it in some way, shape, or form. It's critical to being healthy. So, I, I missed a little piece. Would, would that be to help turn that gene off? Maybe. I, uh, I don't know. You would hope, but... I don't know. Okay. I don't know. The less stress your body's under, Benny's shape, right? But yeah. Mental stress, physical stress. Well, so but you're turning the gene off for the ovulation, yeah. for the for the sex cells, and if you're so, the gene is still in you or not in you. Well, according to this study, the, 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 the healthy baby mice still had the gene, had the, the well, I'm going to call it a defect, had yeah. the gene defect, but it was turned okay. off. Yeah, okay. So even though they had the gene, they didn't. So it's like you had the gene for the blue eyes, but your eyes are brown. You have the gene for the red hair. You should have red hair, but it's, you got brown hair. But it didn't oh. make the Agouti parents. River back to brown mice. No, no, they didn't. They didn't talk about the health of those mites at all in this in this part of the article. It'd be interesting to see if they just if they weren't they didn't lose a little bit of weight and were healthier in general, right? But the game changed their color. Right. Well, it'd be interesting if the yellows go anyway. No, it's not like that. I was thinking because their livers are damaged and they're yellow because they're actually. Um, so, uh, the the liver disease. There we go. Yeah. yeah. Mom had a question. Hi. <laughs> um, my perception of what you've gone over is no accident. Okay. Um, I've had some severe medical issues with people in my family, and some of them were very definitely gene related. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I think it's applicable, applicable to any 
health issues, whether the medical breakthroughs right now, blood with cystic fibrosis, diabetes, things of that nature. Mm -hmm. um, if many of these health issues are better treated with better results by improving the nutrition, mm -hmm. the ability for the body to absorb the nutrition, mm -hmm. the mindset, the emotional reaction mm -hmm. to how well a person chooses to go forward and do what's necessary for their thinking and how they treat their body and such. Mm -hmm. Some people just sink in it. Other people go forward and yeah. do everything. Exactly. So you're trying to help people to say, you have some control. Mm -hmm. If you by the choices you make with the way you react emotionally, yeah. by what you put into your body, mm -hmm. that's, that's kind of what you're yeah. Yeah, this is old-fashioned medicine. It's just that they're now discovering some of the genetic mechanisms that make it happen. Right. right? Then, uh, this advice has been around for thousands and thousands of years in all cultures. Absolutely. You you Absolutely. It wasn't there just because you it makes us... Yeah. Or you don't. Yeah. There's... there's. <laughs> so everyone here has a choice. Of how they react emotionally to what they're going through. Yes, that's the bad news. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the responsibility. That is the responsibility, right? That's the bad news. It's like taking out the trash, right? It's like one more thing to do, and nobody's perfect. No, it's hope. Yeah. So you need you need. It's hope. Yeah, you can turn in terms of hope. It's like I have something I can do that will help me. Yeah. I, th I think I think there is there is hope in that message. Yeah. I went to a naturopath, and he had this machine called the Quest machine, and it had two cylinders that you hang on to, and it just looks at your impulses mm -hmm. and it reads your body. And yes, you have your Lyme disease. Yes, you have Bartonella. I don't even know that. And we, and I, you know we were going over other things. He goes, you have a cavity, and I'm like, a what? Cavity. cavity. Oh, oh my goodness. <laughs> and then I said, well, I have a lot of heart palpitations at night. Oh. Do you have a hard time forgiving? That was on that? That's what he got out of it. Do you have a hard time forgiving yourself and others? Mm -hmm. And do you have a hard time accepting? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I'm talking about my heart. He goes, so am I. <laughs> and I'm like... Yeah, it was pretty cool. It was pretty cool stuff. Because, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so the, Damasio's book, Descartes' era. So Descartes was a scientist uh, during either the Enlightenment or the Middle Ages, anyway, hundreds and hundreds of years ago. Essentially, he came to the church and said, look, I want to study human beings. I don't care about the soul. He did. He's trying to make a deal with them because up to this point they hadn't let anybody do any type of experiments like this. You can have the soul. I'm not interested in the soul. I just want this piece of meat that's walking around. That's what I'm interested in. So no other culture had this deal that Descartes made. So that, that one event applied over hundreds of years has kind of created this split where we don't see connected 
the mind and what's going on there and the emotions and the physical side of things. Right? Now, yeah. we all know from a visceral point of view, we've all been through, we've all experienced it, but scientifically, they're just now starting to bring the two back together again. Oh, it's because of the left and the right side of the brain. You know, one is emotional, the other one is more analytical. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe that's kind of was a natural split that was put in. Mm -hmm. the, 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 the point is that's always, that's always been there, right? Right. The, the, and they've never been separated except in language. In the West, we separated it just in language. We made a, as a lawyer deal, you know, they made a deal. So now they're two separate things. It's like, you know, if you go to orthopedia, I'm always amazed at the, the stories my patients tell about going to orthopedic. He said, yeah, I went to my orthopedic and I want to have my, you know, he does knees, but this is an exaggeration, but, I, you know, it's my right knee and he doesn't do right knees. So he sent me to his partner who does left knees, you know, or, or whatever it is, right? You know, I, they're both back surgeons, but I don't do lumbar, I do cervical. It's like this hyper-specialization, right? So that gives us incredible, incredible technical medicine. I mean, just incredible. If I have hip surgery, I want somebody who does and need right hip, I want somebody who does right hips, and that's all they do because that's the technical side of things. However, overall health is a lot more than that. So you need the technician, but you also need somebody who's going to say, okay, how are you doing with forgiveness? Eh, not so great. How are you doing with you know your your nutrition? You know, do you have these genetic variables? Are you eating too many carbs? Are you eating not enough carbs? You know, are you whatever the case may be? Are you getting enough of essential fatty acids? I think that's the one thing that blah, 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 I, blah, I noticed blah, blah, blah. with my daughter going to a Lyme specialist is that um, they were looking more holistic at mm -hmm. her health and not just oh. You got this, take this antibiotic or yeah. something like that, that they are looking at the nutrition, they are looking at, you know, the supplements. And yeah, exactly. It's a wellness center All, like Dr. Horowitz yeah. has as opposed to just... And Dr. Stram, too. Yeah, so, so maybe they're not crazy. Maybe this whole diet stuff is really, really important. Pills in the morning, at night, plus the rest of the other. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's just the yeah. probiotic. Yeah. But and I think understand them, like you said, that one word, the, the epigenetics. Yeah. So that's the trust them. Yeah. The mm, I think that's one of the issues that Lyme is forcing the is the doctors. Is, so the doctors want to go deeper and deeper and more specific, and more specific. So that's why it's like this one version of Borrelia, which we test for, is the version of Borrelia. And we want to have the one antibiotic that kills this one type of Borrelia. And we figure that out, and therefore the disease is cured. But it's, you know. There's a co-infection. Well, exactly. But they're not, right. But that's, well, that's not Lyme disease. Well, so what? Too much specialization. Exactly. So that there's, their blinders are down here, and there's this whole big world happening around them. And the Lyme literate doctors understand this. Mm -hmm. Now, they may not have, you know, they've lost some of the focus, and the reason why you're taking 36 pills a day might be because they don't know exactly what's going yeah. on. You know, they know 60 or 70%, so we're going to cover 100% of this. So maybe that's why you're taking extra pills, but that's, you know, that's they're moving in that direction instead. And then do it the second time Probably other times there'll be more, but it'll change. You yes, know? And if that's right. They're learning. You're different. The condition has changed. It should. 
They're going over tests. <laughs> so, thank you. I'm done. Thank you. Very interesting. Well, if you made it this far, thank you. I appreciate listening all the way through. If you haven't already, uh, go on over to Facebook. Just look us up, Lime Ninja Radio on Facebook, and hit the like button. Button, I'd appreciate it very much. You can also leave comments for the show there in the comment section for the show post. And if you need to email me, feedback at LimeNinjaRadio.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you soon. Radio is a purely public broadcast and is not intended to be personalized medical advice for any individual's specific situation. Each individual's medical situation is unique and Lime Ninja Radio should not be relied upon and or considered as personalized medical advice. Lime Ninja Radio is not licensed to render medical advice and should be considered simply the public opinion of Lime Ninja Radio and its guests. Recommendations on specific treatment options are not intended to address any listener's particular medical situation. As always, contact your physician before considering any new treatment.